Have you ever wanted more money? I like what Saturday Night Live writer Jack Handy says about it. He says, it's easy to sit there and say you'd like to have more money. And I guess that's what I like about it. It's easy. Just sitting there, rocking back and forth, wanting that money. Now, of course, he's making a little fun of us here. Right? We expect him to say that it's easy to sit there and want more money, but the thing to do is to get up and to do something about it. That's pretty good advice. What he's doing here is not giving us good advice. Instead, what he's doing is showing us something of a mirror. You know, there we are daydreaming about money because daydreaming is a lot easier than work. Now, today, what Jack Handy says about money, I want to say about friendship. All too often, we want more friends, we want better friends, but we sort of daydream. We don't really do anything about it. Instead, we're often hoping that other people will do something about it. We say, yeah, I agree for that friendship is work. It's just work that I would like other people to do for me. You know, if I'm uncomfortable, I want you to notice me and to cheer me up. If I'm bored, I want you to come over to me and tell me a funny story. It's your job, not mine. So today, this is what I'd like to say. If you want friends, you can't go passive. When I was a kid, I learned a verse about friendship in the King James Bible. It was Proverbs 18, 24. It goes like this. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, if I just leave it here in the King James, it proves my point pretty well, right? If you want friends, you're going to have to be friendly. So don't just sit there waiting for others to do it. Go show yourself friendly. The only trouble is that the King James Bible didn't get this translation quite right. Here's, here's a better one from the New American Standard. A man of too many friends comes to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, how's that for a change? You know, one translation talks about being friendly, and the other one talks about being ruined. So no wonder I grew up memorizing the King James. It's much more cheerful. But the original proverb really does say this. A man of too many friends comes to ruin. What's going on? What does that mean? Well, it's inviting us to think about our friendships, the nature of our friendships. That's what all the Proverbs do, by the way. They invite us to stop and to think. There's candy there in the middle, in the middle of the lollipop, but it often takes a few licks to get to it. Okay, so let's just stop and think. Why would a person with many friends come to ruin? I mean, isn't that what friends are for, right? If I fall, you can pick me up. If something happens, my friends can help. On the face of it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Why would a person with many friends come to ruin? Unless, of course, well, they were false friends. You know, we've all seen that sort of thing. They're not really friends. They just called themselves friends. We call them so-called friends or even fair-weather friends. They weren't really there for us. They were in it for the fun or the partying. They were in it for the possibility of advancement. They were in it for the comfort or the money or something. And so when it went away, so did they. That's a hard experience. It's a hard truth. 
The second part of this proverb brings us a little comfort by reminding us that not everyone is like this. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So if you've been betrayed, don't get caught in the trap of thinking that no one will be true. Some are false. Often the crowd is false, but there is still those who stick closer than a brother. Here's the point. If you don't want to come to ruin, you need to think long and hard about the quality of your friendships. Not just how many friends you have, but how many are true, how many are real. Even now, ask yourself, do I have real friends? And while you are here, ask, am I a real friend. Now I need to back up. When I bring up the need for us to work at friendships, there are those who are going to say, why are we talking about this? I do not come to church to hear about how I need to be a good friend. I come to hear the gospel. Not about what I have to do, but what has been done for me already. Why are we talking about this? And that's a fair question. Here's my answer. We are talking about this because relationship with God and relationship with other people cannot be separated. There is no such thing as a good Christian who is a bad friend. When God made people, he said it is not good for us to be alone. He made us for community. Yes, he made us for family, but also for friendship. We can feel it, the pull of it. When we read about David and Jonathan, they were such friends, it says their souls were knit together, that Jonathan loved David as his own soul. Last time I spoke, as we've been speaking about church essentials, I spoke about the centrality of the fellowship of the Holy Spirit for the church. What holds the church together is not our friendships, it is the fellowship of the Spirit. But that does not mean that we are free to dispense with friendship. Do you remember what Jesus was called when he was here? He wasn't just the savior of sinners, but the friend of sinners. He ate with us. He drank with us. He walked with us. He worked with us. He's not just a master to his disciples. He's our friend. And thus when Judas betrays him, it was the betrayal of a friend. Think about our kids. You know, many of us are concerned that they grow up with good friends. Well, do you know the best way to help them do that? It's not actually by giving them a good book on friendship or a lecture. It's not by watching a nice movie together about friendship. It's by you yourself having good friends. Model it. Don't just tell them. Show them. What I'm saying is that friendship is not just the stuff of pop psychology. It's the stuff of Christianity. And so today we're going to talk about friendship. We're going to talk about four things that will allow for you to be a better friend, that you will need to be a good friend. I'm not going to be able to address every issue in friendship, but here, here are four things. First, be the friend of God. Second, be compassionate. Third, be bold. And fourth, be faithful. Let's go to the first point. To be a better friend, first be the friend of God. 
In Exodus 33, verse 11, we read this. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. That's remarkable because God is high and lifted up. No one can see his face and live. And yet Moses was so close to God, it's like they spoke face to face. Moses was the friend of God. And so it is with all of God's people. God himself says this in Isaiah 41, verse 8. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, descendant of Abraham, my friend... It's not just Moses or Abraham who is called God's friend here. It's the whole people of God, Abraham's descendants. God's people are God's friends. You are God's friend. I am God's friend. We are God's friends. And it did not have to be this way. There are people in the world who are God's enemies. Together they strive against God, God's purposes, God's kingdom, God's people. The name for such people in the Bible, when you put them all together, is the world. And before God's mercy came to us, we were the world. We were part of the world. And what did God do? He had compassion on us. He sent us Jesus, who reconciles us to God, makes us his friend. He took we who were his enemies and called us friends. God's people are God's friends because God in his great mercy made us that way. Now let me speak plainly. If you are going to be a good friend, you're going to have to start by answering two big questions. First, who am I? And second, what matters to me? Who am I? And what matters to me? If you don't know who you are and you do not know what matters to you, you will always try to change yourself to fit in. You will do anything, everything necessary to look like other people, the crowd, the cool kids, to look like them, talk like them, act like them. And it will not matter what it costs you because you'll be desperate. And the result will not be friends. It will be more desperation. I work at a local public school. I see it very often. A certain pair of shoes is cool. A certain TV show is cool. A certain color of hair dye. And all the cool kids have it. So what do the uncool kids do? They get the shoes. They watch the show. They dye their hair. And what is the result? Is it friendship? Does it work? It does not. The cool kids just roll their eyes and they move on. All that has happened is that now you are vulnerable to them. You knew that you were desperate, and now they know it. And that's usually when the uncool kids start giving up. They get cynical. I'm not going to even try anymore. It's a hard thing to watch. So here's the gospel. Here's the good news. Desperation and cynicism is not for you because you are the friend of God. You have a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You are not desperate. The friendship of God gives us a place to stand. So if you would be a better friend, you need to start with the friendship of God. That's the first point. The second point is to be a good friend, you'll need to be compassionate. Let's talk about Job. Job was a man with many friends. 
Trouble was, they weren't very good friends. It's true they came over when they hear that he's having a hard time, but when they got there, they began to blame him for his trouble. They began to give all sorts of advice. It wasn't really helpful. And when Job tried to defend himself, it starts an argument. So in Job chapter 6, this is what he says. For the despairing man, there should be kindness from his friends, so that he does not forsake the fear of the Almighty. My brothers have acted deceitfully like a wadi, like the torrents of wadis which vanish. Do you know what a wadi is? I experienced it once firsthand. I was on a trip to the country Jordan. I was there to visit my sister. The area around Jordan and Israel is mostly sandstone, which means that when it rains, the water doesn't go into the ground so much as run down to the lowest point. It runs on top of the ground, the sandstone. That's really what a wadi is. The, the water runs off the cliffs into a sort of river basin. So I went to Jordan. It had recently rained, and so me and my sister were able to, we wore life jackets, and we were actually able to ride down this sort of temporary river all the way down into this big pool. It actually was a, it was a lot of fun. But you've got to catch the water right after it rains because most of the time a wadi is dry. So on a wet day, you would look at it and you would think, this is always going to be wet. This is really quite a river. But it's not so. The torrents of wadis vanish. And that's what bad friendship is like. That's what a compassionless friend is like. That's what Job is saying his friends are like. He says they look wet. They look like they're, they're going to bring refreshment, compassion. But what they really are is dry. They're foolish and judgmental. They're the promise of friendship without the stable reality of friendship. So let me ask you, what kind of friend are you? Are you critical or are you compassionate? Are you like a tricky wadi? You show up at a hard time, but when you get there, you're so critical that it feels like the friendship's gone dry. Are you like a wadi or like a reliable Kennebec River? If you would be a good friend, you're going to have to do more than just show up when the chips are down. When you get there, you're going to have to be compassionate. Compassion means you let yourself feel sad about other people's sadness. It means that you care. You don't just fix it. You don't just judge it. You don't just tell people how to make it never happen again. But you let the horror of the situation, the sadness of the situation, the stress of the situation hit you. You weep with those who weep. Here's the easiest way I know of to grow in compassionate. Fill your mind with the golden rule. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. Have you ever experienced others judging you? How did you like that? Have you experienced the refreshment of compassion? Someone saying, oh, I'm sorry. How can I help? If you would grow in compassion, I would encourage you to fill your mind with the golden rule. Give to others what you would want them to give to you. If you would be a better friend, don't be like Job's friends. Be compassionate. That's the second point. 
The third point is if you would be a better friend and be a good friend, you'll need also to be bold. It is possible that when I say the word compassionate, you will hear this, spineless. You may hear me say, just agree to everything your friend wants to do, say or think, and you will be a good friend. Never say the hard word. Never risk making them mad. That's not what I mean. The truth is that to be a good friend, you will need compassion. You will also need courage. You'll have to be willing to risk other people's displeasure. You'll have to be bold. One of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 27, 6. I actually would encourage you to memorize it. Faithful are the words are the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Here it is said another way. You know who your friends are. They're the ones who stab you in the front. If you don't have anyone to tell you the truth to your face, you don't have friends. You might have a fan club. You might have a group of people who seem really nice to you. You don't have friends. Friends are the one who stab you in the front. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Do you have people in your life who are willing to risk displeasing you? And are you thankful for them? Or have you gathered a little crowd around you who just sort of nods every time you say something? Or are you trying to drive the people who don't agree with you away by freaking out at them or by ignoring them? Do you have people in your life who are willing to risk displeasing you? If not, you might want to look at yourself and say, how have I treated such people? Also, are you a true friend this way? You know, uh, Has fear turned you into something of a bad friend? You're afraid they will reject you, so you don't want to say anything. So please listen, your friends need you to be bold. Your friends need you to be bold. Not to be a jerk, not to be judgmental, but to be bold, to risk. What do you need to risk right now to be a better friend? Well, I said that there are four points. To be a good friend, first we would be the friend of God. And next we would be compassionate. And next we would be bold. And the last thing, to be a good friend, we must be faithful. Faithfulness means that you are there for the long haul. It means not giving up. It means staying loyal, even when loyalty is not fun. If you're, if you're a kid, if you're a young person, faithfulness means that you still care about your old friends, even when someone newer and older and more exciting comes over. You don't just forget about your younger friends because you're so eager to please and be accepted by the older crowd. It means being kind to your younger friends. You still pay attention to them. It means forgiving your friends, even when they hurt your feelings. It means putting up with them, even when they're boring, even when they're a little irritating, even when they're a little ugly. That's what it means if you're a kid. And you know what it means if you're an adult? What does faithfulness mean if you're an adult? It means the same thing. 
Faithfulness means being there for the long haul, even when it's hard. Perhaps the easiest way to show the importance of faithfulness is to talk about the devastation of unfaithfulness. Have you ever trusted someone only to be betrayed? David did. This is how he describes his experience from Psalm 35. When they were sick, I bowed down in mourning as one sorrows for a mother, but at my stumbling, they rejoiced. Jesus, too, experienced this. Remember what he says in Matthew 26. He who dipped his hand with me in the bowl is the one who will betray me. You know, Judas, again, was not a stranger. He and Jesus had eaten together. Their hands went into the same bowl. They walked together, worked together. Judas was Jesus' friend, and Judas betrayed him. And, of course, we could say that we also have eaten in communion with Jesus. And we have sometimes also betrayed him. We've been untrue. We're untrue when we pretend, when we pretend that we're not Christians because Christian isn't being cool. Or when we say, you know what, tonight I'm just living for myself. I just want what I want for tonight. I don't care what anyone says about it. And then we wake up and we wish that we had been a better friend. So how can I be a better friend? First, by believing the gospel, even when you are unfaithful to God, God is faithful to you. That's what it means to be a good friend, to treat others like God treats you. He gives us compassion, and so we turn around and we are compassionate. He is bold to us, speaking the truth, and so we can be bold too. And he is faithful, even when we are unfaithful. He sticks closer than a brother. Thank God. And when you get this, it has a way of pouring faithfulness into your own friendships. So we come back to our proverb, a man of too many friends comes to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So the world is really filled with many false friends, friends not worthy of the name. But that's not Jesus. Jesus is faithful. And so if you would follow him, you too, be faithful. Stick closer than a brother, even when it's hard. So many people are lonely, not because they haven't been able to make friends, but because they've not been able to keep them. Not because they didn't smile at the right time or they didn't show themselves friendly in just the right way, but because they were waiting around for someone else to take the first step. Our culture becomes more and more divided all the time. And in such a time as this, the church needs to model what good friendship looks like. So please do not go passive. Do not daydream about friends. Don't just sit there wanting more friendships. Go and do the real work of being a good friend. Be the friend of God, are you? Or are you still sort of desperate to fit in just anywhere? Be compassionate. Give up being judgmental, always trying to fix it. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. And be bold. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. What hard thing is the Lord calling you to say today? And be faithful. The Lord has been faithful to you. Who do you need to recommit to today?